0: Before we jump into today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, I want to let you know that you can become a supporter of this podcast and help offset some of the costs of bringing this podcast to you each week. You can visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, click on donate, and you can give an amount starting at 99 cents a month and going up to $9.99 a month. If you love the podcast and you want to keep new episodes coming to you, then visit anchor.fm slash Sanctuary and become a monthly donor today. More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. It's Kelly, your host for the podcast, and I want to thank you as always for tuning in. Hey, I also want to remind you to join us on our Facebook group. I say it every episode, but every episode we have more people joining us, so I think it's worth a mention. Once again, you can join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group by searching for Survivor Sanctuary Podcast on Facebook you can request to join. You'll be asked to answer one very easy question. If you're listening to this podcast, you know the answer to this question. It's multiple choice. And if you answer that question correctly, I will add you into the group and you can interact there. And we always have some really great conversations. We have people that are just super concerned for each other. That's one of the things that I love so much about everybody on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page is that there is so much concern for the well-being of survivors and people who post. And just this package past week, we had an incident where a survivor needed help and needed assistance. And so many people were just there to reach out and to see what they could do to help alleviate the, the burden and the suffering. And it was so awesome. It made me feel great and also kind of relieved my shoulders of a burden that I had been carrying for a while. So it's just really great the people that you meet online. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but it just kind of welled up inside of me all of a sudden. I was talking to somebody recently about how I had lost my brother in January, and I had to put my great Dane Berkeley that I've had for almost eight years, I had to put her to sleep a couple of weeks ago. So it's been a rough 2021, like the year has been super rough so far. And I was kind of talking about the fact that the people I feel like who have offered me some of the greatest support that I've had through all of this are people that I've never met face to face. People that are just concerned for my well-being because they know me from a podcast, because they know me from a Facebook group. And there are people who reach out to me, they message me, they send me texts, they offer me encouragement, and they pray for me. And it's so awesome. And I was just kind of having like a point blank conversation with um, some extended family members recently about You know, sometimes the lack of care, I think when you lose a sibling, people tend to treat it maybe a little bit differently than if you lost a child or you lost a spouse. And I'm not saying it isn't different, because I definitely know that what you go through if you lose a child is very different than if you lose a sibling. But at the same time, you're still grieving, and it's especially when you're close to that person, and it's a really, really rough time. And then sometimes it seems like some people that I expected to show up in my life to be a support and help through all this really haven't. And it was, you know, it's kind of hurtful. And I know everybody has their own stuff and this isn't to complain about that. Um, I'm sure there are explanations and reasons for everything, but I really started thinking about it. And with the exception of a couple of just super, super close family members, um, the people who have supported me the most and who have really been looking out for my well being and my emotional health and my spiritual health during this time, are literally people who listen to this podcast whose faces I've never looked at or whose faces I've seen for like 5 minutes, you know? And I think that's just incredible. It's the kind of community that we've built. And I don't want to just just say that it's only survivor sanctuary because I know that in the survivor community in general, people are just there for each other, but that is what I love about our Facebook group. So you can share anything. You can just say, "Hey, I'm having a really crummy day. I'm struggling with the healing process. I need some help or some prayer. I just need for people to tell me they get what I'm going through." You'll find that on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page, and I just love that we all encourage each other and offer each other advice, and we've got each other's backs. It is a really great feeling. I did want to say thank you for that. There are so many people, um, and I'm not going to name like names publicly on the podcast right now, um, but there are just so many people who have been so helpful and just saying, "Yeah, like is there anything I can do? Like we really want to pray for you through this." And like that gets me every time. I know people are like kind of down on thoughts and prayers and like they don't mean anything, but honestly to me they mean a lot, you know? It means a lot to me when somebody says, "Hey, how can I pray for you? How can me and my spouse pray for you? How can our church pray for you? Like we really want to, you know, know exactly what what would help you." And that's awesome to me. And that really like, I, I sometimes can't express how much it means to me, like in a phone conversation or in a text or whatever. But I'm saying it here and now that that has been some of the most healing like medicine for my heart through this kind of really crummy 2021 so far. It's awesome that the the friendships and the acquaintances that are being made through a podcast that are making just such a huge difference in my life as I go through, you know, one of the toughest years, the toughest year I'm sure of my entire life. So Thanks to everyone, and just a little side note of encouragement for you. If you haven't yet joined the Facebook group, you can go ahead and join. And the cool thing is you never have to post anything if you don't want to. You know, nobody's going to make you talk. We're not going to call you out or anything like that. You don't have to post. Sometimes just reading some of the stuff that other people are going through, it's great to hear that people kind of have the same kind of stuff going on, and you can get advice without even asking for it because you're just reading other people's posts. But I want to encourage you to join the Survivor Sanctuary podcast Facebook group page. And I added the podcast in there because there is this weird like goat farm that's called Ima Survivor Sanctuary that I didn't know about before I started this podcast. And I was like, why are all these people answering this question on the Facebook group that says that Survivor Sanctuary is about saving the animals? And like, this is definitely not about saving the animals, unless you're just considering, you know, humans as mammals. Um, but yeah, it was really weird. And I was getting hundreds and hundreds of requests. And I'm like, all right, something's up here. Everybody thinks it's about animals. Yeah, that's some goat farm somewhere. Ima Survivor Sanctuary. That's the goat's name is Ima, and that's what it is. So yeah, you have to answer that question correctly because this podcast is definitely not about saving the animals. <laughs> well, we are going to get into today's episode. Just a little like side note to to open things up. Rough year for Kelly. Great friends and wonderful acquaintances via Survivor Sanctuary and the Facebook group and it's so awesome. You guys are just amazing. Like the survivor community never ceases to amaze me. So, something I want to talk about today is something that just kind of it happens all the time when you hear stories of people falling from grace, I guess I want to say. And I hate to call like child sexual abuse falling from grace because that sounds like way too nice of a thing to call it. But in many cases the people who are caught committing child sexual abuse and abusing people, many of them who are, are caught are in positions of like grace. They're in positions of like wonderment. People are just like, wow, these people are amazing. This this guy is such a man of God and he's such a great speaker and he's such an awesome person. And, and you know, they fall from that grace, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, I feel like it needs a little bit of a harsher term though. So when people are identified as being child predators or just I want to say accused of being child predators because as you well know in the survivor community a lot of times people are not necessarily acknowledged as abusers. They are instead accused of abuse and then people can decide whether or not they want to believe it. Now the thing that really stinks about it is The people who sexually abuse children very, very rarely do that in front of anyone else. In fact, I mean, they may abuse in front of people, but they're trying to hide it in plain sight. They're not trying to get caught. They're not like, hey, I'm going to molest a child right now, right in front of you. How does that sound? Like that's not what's happening. There's always deception. There's always a hiding of the truth. So when somebody is accused of sexual abuse by a victim, it it's kind of like a very one-sided game when you say, "Well, innocent until proven guilty." That basically means we are obligated to believe what the perpetrator says unless we have like hard physical evidence telling us that this actually happened. And in most cases when somebody is sexually abused, there's not a lot of hard evidence. I mean, I will say, like, there is, there are forensics. You know, if, if somebody was sexually assaulted and they immediately, they go to a hospital, they get an examination that can sometimes prove that they were sexually assaulted. Like, that's different because there might be some physical evidence. Uh, but typically, when a child comes forward about sexual abuse, it's literally that child's word or that adult person's word when they were abused as a child. It's their word against the perpetrators. And because it's such like a heavy, heavy, heavy crime slash sin, um, people are very uncomfortable to just say, okay, like we believe this victim. But it's honestly one of the most difficult parts I think of being a survivor is that mentality of innocent until proven guilty. And we can't just go around accusing someone of sexual abuse. So if if I come forward and say 30 years ago, this guy sexually abused me multiple occasions. And you know, it's affected my life. And and you know, I need help or I need you to stop him in case he's doing this to other people. It honestly feels like a literal slap in the face when people want to claim like innocent until proven guilty. I want to talk a little bit just as a side note here to kind of explain my feelings behind this. And this is a completely, like, I will say completely different scenario, but it's still about someone who was abusive, a spiritual leader who was extremely abusive, Um, not physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually abusive. I went through a situation where I worked for a spiritual leader who was extremely emotionally, verbally, and mentally, spiritually abusive. He was just a very proud, arrogant person who ruled with this like iron fist and this level of control that was completely not healthy and a level of narcissism that also was completely unhealthy. And I just remember like I I was part of the staff and I had a really good friend in the church who was not part of the staff, but we were like super close friends, best friends, in fact. And it always like hurt me so much because she was the type of person or is the type of person I will say, because we are friends, but is the type of person that's like, I'm not going to take sides here. I wasn't. There, so I'm not going to take sides. And, like, in my mind and in my emotions, it was like, you know what? I'm your really, really close friend, and I'm telling you what happened here. And I know you weren't in the office with me to like experience the abuse that I'm talking about, but it literally happened. And it happened so often, and not just to me, but to tons of other people in the same church and on the same staff. And so to be met with that, well, you know, I, I believe that you have your issues or whatever, but you know, I wasn't there. So I'm just gonna, you know, let it slide or whatever. And it was just this huge slap in the face. So if you think that that is a slap in the face, when you consider that you're talking about something even worse than spiritual abuse or emotional abuse, like someone physically, like sexually abusing you as a child, and then people kind of playing that whole like, oh, I'm Switzerland. I'm just over here being neutral and I'm not gonna pick any sides. And I know you say that this terrible thing happened, but I don't, you know, have any physical like to me that's just a load of garbage. And that's not to say that every single time an accusation is made that it's a hundred percent true and there's never a chance that somebody is not telling the truth. I won't say that because I know that there are some instances, but The research shows us, the statistics show us that it is such a slim, slim, slim part of the abuse population or people who are whistleblowers that are actually not telling the truth. And the vast majority of people are telling the truth. And the vast majority of perpetrators are never actually uh, sentenced or spend any time in prison. Many of them are not even prosecuted. So it, it people kind of feel like they want to play that card sometimes. Oh, what about the false accusations? Well, false accusations are so rare that it's not that you don't want to say they never happen, because yes, they do. But at the same time, that's not what you want to rely on to base your opinion of whether or not somebody may have abused, because that is typically not the case. If 95% of the time something is true, how many times are you going to guess that it could possibly be false if we're just playing like a statistical game? And so I think it's a little bit ridiculous when our minds go straight there. But more than the fact that it's statistically ridiculous for people to kind of play that whole, well, I wasn't there, I don't know, kind of a card. Um, what's worse is that for a survivor who's stuck their neck out, who's made the decision to disclose that they were abused, that puts themselves in a position that's so, so vulnerable and you know, you're opening yourself up. I mean, there might be some people who have survived sexual abuse and they may be naive to the process. And and I don't, I mean that in the most respectful way. Like maybe you just don't know, or you didn't know when you came forward, how this whole thing worked. Maybe you just expected like that if you came forward and disclosed abuse, that you were going to be believed. And if that's the case, like you probably were in for a rude awakening when you did disclose and you kind of got some pushback or people didn't believe you, or they just wanted to say, well, he's our brother in the Lord. And I know what you're saying, but he says he didn't do it. Or she says she didn't do it. And, you know, it could be your church members who are saying that, or even your own family members who are saying that like, well, I know you say that she abused you, or I know that you say that he abused you, but we just don't see that person. Like, that's not who we see. It is so frustrating. And I see it just constantly. When stories come out in the news and when people start talking about them on social media, you have all this pushback from people who want to say things like, um, I don't think it's right to drag this wonderful man's name through the mud. I don't think it's right. For you to cancel this person—that's my personal favorite. Everyone is so like anti-cancel culture, and here's the thing: I don't like cancel culture to the point where if anybody makes any kind of a mistake, we're gonna cancel them completely, and they, you know, can never be listened to again. And everybody's problematic for one reason. Guess what? We're human beings, and all of us are problematic in some way. You just are. Like, there's no way around it. All of us do some crappy things sometimes, and we think some crappy things, and we're wrong about a lot of stuff. And most of us don't want to admit it, but yes, we are. So when it comes. To like just as an aside, the whole cancel culture thing like the nanosecond anybody makes any kind of a small mistake, it's like you are ended and we can never listen to you again, and you don't deserve to be on the planet that we call Earth, and you don't deserve life. Like, you know, people kind of take it to the extreme, but I cannot stand it when people call accusations of sexual abuse and the fallout from that cancel culture because you're not listen. We're not trying to cancel a human being, but what we are trying to cancel is that human being spiritually leading people after they have been credibly accused of sexually abusing people, because that is a big difference. That's not cancel culture. That is justice. And it's scriptural that, you know, if somebody, yes, he might be the greatest speaker in the world. He might be a wonderful pastor. You might have just gotten the warm, fuzzy feelings every time you saw him or heard him speak or thought about him your entire life. She may have been the best mother of all time or the best aunt of all time or the best Sunday school teacher of all time, but when they're credibly accused of sexual abuse, that literally is the time to cancel their involvement in church ministry. That cancel culture I can get completely behind because I think that's just, we talk about it a lot on this podcast, so I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know that so many people want to restore the brothers and sisters in the Lord who have fallen. And if we're talking about restoring them to faith in Christ, restoring them to the body of Christ, restoring them to fellowship with other believers, okay, if that person is truly repentant, that's great. However, it's restoring them to a pulpit where they're going to be spiritually leading the vulnerable people that they have abused in the past. That's when it's like, you know what? This isn't cancel culture. We're just canceling your, not your life, not your existence, not your ability to repent or be sorry, or even go to heaven when you die. It's canceling your ministry credentials because once you have sexually abused a child, you no longer deserve them. And that's scriptural. Like, Look it up. There are some qualifications for a minister, and he has to be above reproach. And once you've sexually abused someone, the level of deceit, deception, just the level of cunning craftiness, it's just this really evil kind of plotting and planning that's required to sexually abuse a child. There just is. Like, think of a scenario. And I I mean, this might get weird, but if you were going to abuse a child, like in the manner that some of these people, like, end up abusing children... Like, not the physical acts themselves. Obviously, we don't want to think about that. But like, how would you plan to go about it? Like, when you really start breaking it down and you really start thinking about what goes in to sexually abusing a child, the level of deception... Is so insane that I don't know how anybody could look at that and think, like, oh, this was just a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ who just, you know, had this moment of weakness. It's not that. It is literally a lifestyle of deception. And I'm so bothered by people just making these blanket random statements when somebody's accused of sexual abuse that basically says, you know, I know that this accusation is being made, but I'm choosing not to believe it. And I know this accusation is being made, but obviously the person who says that this pastor sexually assaulted them when they were a small child, like obviously they're lying because this man is so nice and he is such a wonderful speaker and he's made such an impact on my life. I think that what is so difficult for us to wrap our brains around is the fact that imposters exist. And I had this conversation a few episodes back with uh, Brian Holt who is a pastor and we were chatting about the difference between a person who falls into sin and is truly repentant and that's like a sheep who sins and then somebody who's just not a sheep at all but is in fact a wolf in sheep's clothing and we struggle so much, even though the Bible talks about this, even though like the shepherd and sheep metaphors and wolf metaphors are used all over the place by Jesus himself. We're, we're told about imposters who will come into the flock and deceive and deceive people to, to lead them astray and to, to do horrible things. And we're told about this in the word, but we have so much trouble Actually, being able to say, yes, there are some people within our churches who are not fallen sheep, they are wolves. And if somebody is a wolf, as Jimmy Hinton has said in the past on, um, I think, a blog post that he did, and then an episode of his podcast as well, um, Jimmy talks about how, like, we need to stop trying to rehabilitate wolves or stop trying to restore wolves, because a wolf is never going to be a sheep. And what we're trying to do is to take this wolf and like spiritually heal him and restore him to the flock of sheep. And he doesn't belong in the flock because he's not a sheep. He's a wolf, right? And I think that in the church, and honestly, even for me, Uh, And and having this conversation with Brian um, a couple episodes ago really opened my eyes to this, that it's even difficult for me and who's seen this deception over and over again. Like we see it happen all the time in the world of advocacy. Like you're constantly inundated with stories, and you're you're reading about people who are doing horrible things. You're doing the research right now. I'm reading like book after book about child predators and sexual offenders and pedophiles. Like I'm really studying the people who commit these hideous and horrible crimes against children. I'm studying them to, to notice patterns and to be able to better identify what kind of makes these people tick and, and what they're like. Because I honestly, I don't recommend it for everybody because I know that sometimes it's hard to read about some things that sexual offenders do. I will say that some of the books that I've read have been tough. It's been tough to read like about what's being done to children by these insane, deceptive, just evil people, downright evil. And when somebody is evil and they're a wolf and they're not really a sheep, but they're just disguising themselves as sheep so that they can prey on innocent little lambs, those people should never be restored to the flock because they're not sheep. Ergo, they don't belong in the flock, okay? If you're a shepherd, yep, in the flock. If you're a sheep, yep, in the flock. Maybe like a great Pyrenees because they like to herd sheep, we'll let them in too because they're there for protection. We will not let wolves into the flock, even if they say that they're sorry for attacking sheep because they're not sorry for attacking sheep. It is in their nature to attack them. And a really just something that has dawned on me in the last couple of months, even. And I mean, it's obviously stuff that we think about a lot. We know that the church at large has trouble with accepting the idea that there are wolves in sheep's clothing within our churches. We've just got a big problem with accepting it. And like I've noticed about myself, though, that even me, like having that conversation uh, with Brian, and I think I asked him the question, how do you tell the difference or how do you respond differently when you're trying to figure out if a person is a sheep who has fallen and is repentant, or if the person is not a sheep at all, and they're just a wolf. And I think that Brian said something to the effect of, well, that's a really good question. Um, Maybe you can tell me. And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, even for me, it is so hard to get to the point where I'm like, yes, this person is just a wolf. They're not, like, a Christian who fell. They're not a person who is completely just redeemable and, and lovable and warm and fuzzy. And they just, like, got into a bad way and started living in sin. I'm putting that in quotes because that's such a, like, christian thing to say. They're backsliding. Um it, you know, I always put these caveats when I talk about wolves and I'm like, I just want to make sure everybody knows that, yes, I know God can forgive anyone. And yes, I know that, you know, people can come to repentance and, you know, that that sinning is not going to keep you out of heaven. Like, I have to put all these caveats because I have trouble just saying out loud, there are some stinking people who are not sheep. They're in our churches and the Bible talks about it. That's what gets me. Like, we have so much trouble wrapping our brains around it. But if you look in scripture, you will find descriptions of these people. Like, it's literally there. Evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And they're just scriptures. And I know, like, on Jimmy's podcast, and I bring him up a lot because he's done a lot of the work behind this and he's a pastor as well. So, I think it's good to get his kind of like ideas and input. And I've learned a lot from him and his mom, Clara, through some of the uh, series that they've done in their podcast, especially about sheep and wolves. And it is so tough for us as Christians to really wrap our brains around the fact that some people are not redeemable, or some people are beyond redemption. And I'm not saying, and here's a caveat again because I have so much trouble with it. We just struggle with this as Christians. The Bible literally tells us, like you are going to be deceived. In 2nd Peter, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime, their blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. These are people that are sitting at the table with you trained in greed, accused children forsaking the right way. They've gone astray. They've followed the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Like, it goes on. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Uh, This is not like a warm and fuzzy, like, well, we know that Deacon Bob over there. Like, he's been accused of sexually abusing 13 people. However... We know that deep down inside, Bob loves the Lord, and this was just a big mistake, and Bob didn't mean it, and he never wanted to hurt children. He's so broken over his sin, and he just want to be wants to be restored to the fold so that Bob can serve the Lord once again. And what Bob's actually going to do is continue to molest children if he's not caught and imprisoned. You know, he's going to keep doing what he does and just use the fact that everybody feels sorry for him and wants him to be restored to continue to deceive people. So we have scriptures telling us that people will be imposters, doing evil things while sitting with you at the table and acting like they're these wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord. And meanwhile, they're destroying souls. They're destroying people. A scripture also tells us that Satan comes disguised as an angel of light, and yet we still think that if we see someone who appears to be this magical angel of light, and we then find out that like 90 people have accused him or her of sexually abusing children. Like We can't wrap our brains around the fact that the goodness and light emanating from them was that person being an imposter. It was an act. It was a show. It was part of a double life. We as a people, as a whole, I wanna say the church, but I think even society, it's not just the church, it's society at large. We have so much trouble wrapping our brains around the fact that people aren't just messing up and making these little mistakes. People aren't just falling into sin. They're wolves. There are people who do not believe. They don't want to believe. And just because somebody knows scripture, just because somebody's a super dynamic speaker, just because somebody can preach somebody else under the table, does not mean for one tenth of a second that that person is automatically a good person that's not doing like something horrible to people behind your back. And that's not to say that we should walk around and we should fear everybody and we should be constantly just like never trusting anybody and afraid of everybody. That's not the point. The point is that we have to understand, especially as Christian people who wanna be part of a church family where children are vulnerable and where they could be put in harm's way, we have to be able to recognize the fact that according to scripture, there are people who are imposters. According to scripture, Satan does not like show himself as this horrible like awful creature that's doing you know nobody's going to walk up to you and be like hi there i am a terrible person who molests children all the time and it's all that i think about it's all that i want to do it's what literally drives me 24/7 365 it's all i think about it's all i plan for it's literally the reason for my existence like that's not how it's being presented to us by the enemy no it's being presented to us as something that comes in a beautiful form satan comes disguised as an angel of light. But we still can't understand that somebody who seems like this wonderful and glorious person behind the pulpit or in the Sunday school teacher's seat could actually be a person who doesn't have any interest in in your spiritual life doesn't have any interest in your well-being and your welfare or the welfare of your children they only have interest in reveling in their own deceptions and their insatiableness for sin and enticing unsteady souls like why why don't we recognize that it, we don't Well, I am going to leave off right there for this week. And next episode, we are going to get into some of the reasons behind why it's hard for us to believe that there are wolves in sheep's clothing and some of the deception tactics that people use. And also our misunderstanding of the fruits of the spirit and behaviors that should show us that people are truly sheep and not wolves. Um, We'll get into that next week. I want to give you a quick reminder, of course, to join us on Facebook. It's the Survivor Sanctuary podcast Facebook group. Just look us up and request to join. Well, I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.